0: Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and it is hard to believe that this is the 30th episode of the show. And as usual, we're going to do what we did for the last 29 episodes. There's lots of content coming up your way. So let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases. I'll highlight some news around Athletes Unlimited and college softball. Then we'll head into today's interview with Erica Piancastelli, the Italian player that has had a great start with Athletes Unlimited. We'll hear her story and we'll wrap things up with the double play tip of the week. So let's dive in. First, covering our bases. You know those Gatorade commercials where all these pro athletes are messing around playing other sports? Elena Della Don's in hockey gear, Zion's ready to play baseball, Todd Gurley's like fencing because they were just ready to play anything. That's how we've all felt. And at first we just wanted to play, but now we're in the playoffs. So for sports fans watching the NBA, MLB, NHL, and more, our partners at Bet Online have our backs. So whether it's LeBron and the Lakers, Trout and the Angels, whatever floats your boat, there are hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And of course, there's also always the online casino that never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. For softball, let's start with the NCAA recruiting. There was a recruiting dead period that was put in place due to COVID-19, and it had been extended through August. So in-person contact with recruits and off-campus recruiting was prohibited. So really, college coaches and the players were relying on online exposure, social media, et cetera, to market themselves. But this week, September 1st, recruiting finally resumed for the class of 2022. So the positive is definitely that there were lots of commitments, announcements on social media, lots of activity. It was probably nice to return to some sort of normalcy. So that was great to see. On the tougher side of things, I think it's been a rough year, and it's been hard on both the coaches and the athletes. So there were also some bumps. You know, I saw a tweet from Coach Alistair at Stanford And she said, just got an email from a 2022 who was given a scholarship offer with a one week deadline. This is absurd. Recruits, this is probably the most important decision you have had to make. You deserve to make it on your timeline and with all of the information. Any coach that pressures you to make a decision after a six month dead period and an inability to evaluate live since mid-November does not care about you. Make your decision out of confidence and conviction, not fear and doubt. And to be honest, like Coach Alistair, she doesn't really take to Twitter and vent. That's not really her style. So she has to be pretty frustrated. Like knowing her, she has to be kind of pissed off for that to be happening. It's been a rough break for the players. I realize it's also been a rough break for the college programs themselves. But I think we should all give each other grace and not try to rush or force anything. And with that said, there's still a lot of opportunity on the table. So I would say everybody, please keep working and stick with what's right for you on both sides of the house. And with college ball, some players are actually back on campus for the fall semester. Clemson had move in day and they're working out on the field with masks, Utah softball reunited social distance style and they just got back on the field. There's lots of programs trying to get back into the swing of it. And for student athletes that are on the quarter system, if they're not taking virtual classes, they'll come back to school mid to later in September. So not quite for them. It's such a mixed bag for schools across the country on virtual versus in-person classes for this school year. We'll keep an eye on that through fall ball leading up to the 2021 season. I also have to mention that MJ Knighton was named the new head coach at the University of San Diego. She's a Nebraska alum and sister to former guest Shay Knighton on this show. She's 25 years old and the youngest head coach in Division I softball right now. She's also the first black female head coach in any sport at USD. So huge, huge congrats on making history. And pro softball made history as well. Athletes Unlimited officially launched. It has been highly anticipated and it did not disappoint. So a quick recap of the results of week one. There were two teams that really stood out. Team Warren, the orange team, went 3-0 on the weekend. And Team Wagner, the gold team, got a couple wins as well. The two teams that tended to struggle had captains that struggled. So Team Fagan was able to scrape away one win and Team Penley got swept on the weekend. And Sammy Fagan and Nicole Penley didn't have their best weekends, but there's plenty of softball to be played. Lots of firsts that came out of weekend one, of course. The first hit and the first home run in AU history came from Sam Fisher. She's from Ventura County, too, from the 805. I think I met her probably when I was 10, 11 years old. We played on our very first travel ball team together 3D. If you all remember the episode with Brittany Cervantes, she was also on that team. So I know I'm biased, but I think lots of talent coming out of that 12 and under team. The first grand slam came from Jasmine Jackson, who was out of Cal. She's a slapper actually. So that was awesome. The first shutout on the mound was Kat Osterman, no surprise there. And the first video review that we actually had was Victoria Hayward running out of ball at first base. And the top players that ended with the most points were Kat Osterman, again, not a surprise, Samantha Shao, Victoria Hayward, and Alicia Ocasio. So three pitchers and three players that were from the same team. Team Warren, the team that won, makes sense. And I just have, I have a lot of thoughts. I mean, there are a million different aspects to this league and we'll get to them, but I wanna share a few that really hit home for me in weekend one. In terms of gameplay, I really noticed that hitters took more offensive risks. You had people bunting in the three hole like Sam Shaw and Jesse Warren, people swinging away at a 3-0 pitch like Erica Piancastelli. So really from the small ball to the long ball, we had it all. And the defense was highlighted by middle infield, especially the second basement. Narisa Myers and Aubrey Leach were awesome. Diving plays, over-the-shoulder catches, I loved it. There are a lot of great double plays, too, which are usually rare in softball, but not in Athletes Unlimited, apparently. Hannah Flippin especially. She was turning it, firing the ball over to first base. It was textbook. Haley McClenney and AJ Andrews also covered a lot of ground in the outfield as well, cutting balls off, diving catches, also fantastic in the green. To me, the hardest adjustments that seem to be happening is that the battery is constantly changing so with that the pitchers and catchers don't know each other well and that kind of changes the pitch calls there's not a lot of consistency you're really spending most of the time trying to figure out a rhythm it's hard to get a rhythm both ways the pitcher herself and trying to actually throw but also the catcher and calling and working with that pitcher the other thing is captain's having to play and coach at the same time when you wear lots of hats it's hard to have laser focus. You're the one making the big decisions on the field. So you're not just able to think about hitting and fielding. So it requires a lot of compartmentalization. You know, one thing at a time, turn the switch on, turn it off, but it's not easy. I will also say that it pays to be a pitcher who hits. Sam Shaw was a perfect example of this. She had a drag bunt single, hit a double, had a home run in the first game also throwing. Alicia Ocasio can also pitch, hit, field, had a great play off the mound. The reason this helps is because you can earn points in more ways. And if you give up points for earned runs, which you can as a pitcher, you can make up for it at the plate. And so there's no surprise to me that both Sam Shao and Alicia Ocasio became captains this week. Overall, the league is also pretty thoughtful and creative around COVID. Teammates are doing air chest bumps, elbow taps. Only players can touch the ball. They're tested two times a week. They're really, really paying attention to that and trying to make sure that everyone's health is protected, which I appreciate as a fan. When it comes to the broadcast, the video review is a good addition. It's a first for softball, but add in being able to listen into the thought process. You can actually hear the reviewer talk through what they're seeing as they're reviewing the play. And this is actually just like the XFL, what they did for football. That's why I almost think of Athletes Unlimited as the XFL of softball. So AU is not just player first, which is really their theme, but also a little more fan focused too. The mic'd up player access is also really fun. You just get to hear the personalities of these women. It's not just their play on the field. You get to know them as people a little bit. And that's also like the XFL and no surprise that Danielle Laurie keeps it real. Her color commentary is always straight up to the point, no sugarcoating. She even said, I think the theme really of her commentary was just be better. (laughs) That was kind of like her big message that she was getting across. Hey, if you don't like where you were drafted, play better. That's how it works, you know? And I think that sort of thing is always really refreshing. It's also just really cool to hear from another future Tokyo Olympian as she's evaluating people that she'll play against all the Olympians that are in athletes unlimited. One cool thing around partnerships is that athletes unlimited is teaming up with tops, the trading cards company. It's the first women's pro softball set in the company's 82 year history. So even more history for AU, you're actually going to see pro softball players on trading cards. It's just, it's so cool. And those are the types of steps that we have to take as a sport to keep it growing. So some open questions I have about the league in general is, can players handle not getting attached to teams? You know, Team War and the Orange team, they like winning together. So they might want to stick together. They kind of naturally were naming their teams as well. Like the Purple team wasn't just Team Purple. They called themselves the Purple Cobras. You can't really totally eliminate the team aspect of a team sport, which isn't what AU's trying to do necessarily, but it's just different. I'm also wondering about the role of the facilitator. You know, you see them coaching third base, they're an advisor for writing out the lineups, but they're not making the call for when to enter a new pitcher, for example. That's the captain's call. So you literally saw Haley Wagner make the decision to take herself out, for example. And Daniel Laurie said that captains can tap into their help as much or as little as they want So over time, I think we'll see what balance seems to work the best, or if there isn't really a baseline and it's just totally a case-by-case basis, we'll see. So after all of this, we also had the second draft of the Athletes Unlimited season. One of the coolest parts to me is that the viewers on Facebook Live actually doubled from week one. So it went from a little more than 400 people last week to about 900 this week. So that trend up and to the right, that's what it's all about, baby. And again, Osterman, Shao, Hayward, and Ocasio led with advisors in the Zoom room for the draft. I didn't actually realize last time that once you're drafted, you actually join the Zoom room with your team to help strategize. That's pretty cool. And to me, what I saw is that captains really opted for familiarity when possible, especially with the battery. So Kat actually went with Gwen Svecus again from last week. Her catcher for Team Warren over some of her current USA teammates. So I don't know, maybe that's some recency bias. Ocasio snagged a bunch of other Florida alums, Kelly Barnhill, Aubrey Monroe, but also even Erica Piancastelli from last week, which when Ocasio threw a gem on the mound, Erica was the one behind the plate. And Victoria Hayward grabbed basically the Team Mexico battery. She drafted Daniel O'Toole, Taylor McQuillan, and Sachel Palacios. They're familiar with each other So while Hayward's not a part of Team Mexico and doesn't have that level of familiarity with them, she's played against them in the pack, but also she knows that O'Toole and McQuillan are very used to and comfortable with throwing to Palacios. so maybe they're more likely to do well together. So familiarity kind of manifested itself in different ways, and I think that all of this can help set the batteries up for more success, so maybe we won't see 18 runs on the board anymore. We'll see. But today's guest is right in the thick of all of it. She hit a bomb with Team Warren in week one, was drafted to Team Ocasio in the fourth round this week, and I talked to her right before that. So let's take a listen. She is a pro softball player with Athletes Unlimited, Italian national team captain, future Tokyo Olympian, NCAA All-American, and four-time Southland Conference Player of the Year at McNeese State, Erika Piancastelli. Thank you for joining.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm excited to chat. I mean, we were just talking about how uh, you're probably pretty sore right now after all the, the games you've been playing. Yeah, um, like I was telling you
1: before, it's, this weekend was just so hectic and so much was going on, but you're also enjoying so much of it that you don't really realize what your body's going through until your first off day and then it just all hits you at once. Um, but it's a blessing and I'm just super excited to be here.
0: I can't I mean, I can't even imagine being your position, but even just being able to watch softball on TV so, so so nice after all this time.
1: Yeah, playing it is so nice. It's been forever, and I'm just super excited that we get to actually be able to show our fans what we're doing and be on TV.
0: I love it. I love it. And do people call you Erka? Is that a thing?
1: Yeah, um, uh, they call me a lot of names. <laughs> they call me Erka. Or Sally. Yeah, pretty much. I'm open to anything. So if anyone comes up with cool names, I'm always down. So (laughs) that's a good vibe.
0: I like the vibe. I actually, one of my best friends in high school, I called her, her name is Erica, and I called her Erica. And she spelled it with a K too, actually. Really? Mm hmm.
1: That's where I got that. I got Erica in high school. I don't know how it happened. And I guess that's when I made an Instagram. So I was like Erica. And then it just kind of stuck. I have to
0: ask you. Also, what is a daddy hack? Because I saw people, so like background information for the listeners, you swung away on a three-oh count, which by the way, love, just absolutely destroyed, like no doubter. And everybody that I saw was posting on Instagram was like,
1: oh, what a daddy hack from Erica. And I was like, what does that mean? Am I just old? I don't know like the actual definition of a daddy hack. I've just always used it in college. And for us, a daddy hack was always just like, when you just go crazy, like you just swing so hard. And um, I don't know why it's called daddy hack. It's kind of weird, but like, it's just like you swing hard and you have um, you're confident in your swing. You're not overthinking anything. And especially in a three Oh count for me, you can just feel the vibe of the, of the pitcher and the catcher. And you know, that, how the previous pitches went you just know that they're trying to like lay one in there and I was ready for it green light so daddy hack you're just confident in your swing you swing hard I like that vibe too I feel like it's just good vibes all around Good vibes yeah absolutely especially for my team the orange team we had good vibes all weekend so it was really fun I know that was awesome
0: I actually also think a good vibe is just your approach at the plate kind of feels like maybe it's just like a daddy hack all the time but Your like your load and your your stride like how far you come back with your front leg is so it's so fun to watch like if like I've seen some of the pictures you've posted and it's like that still shot of you all the way back and you're like how is I'm like how is she doing this
1: uh yeah it's honestly I was just talking to someone yesterday about my approach and I don't know if it's just like because I'm having so much fun and I'm just grateful to be on the field right now I just feel so relaxed in the box it's just like I'm just enjoying every single moment. So I'm not overthinking any situation. There's not a lot of pressure, which is weird because you would think with all the points and and how our game is set up right now that you would feel more pressure. But maybe it's the good vibes that we had on the team. I was just super relaxed and I could go late. I could go behind in the count and I still just was in the same mood. And it was just like I was confident in my swing. I was confident in my team. And so, yeah, I was super relaxed and just enjoying it. I mean, I, f- I feel like there has to be some level of confidence
0: if you're hacking at a three-zero count. But maybe is that because you know there aren't coaches? You get to make your own decisions, like, and you just get to be a little bit more aggressive, or is that something that you have
1: always kind of done with your coaches? It could. I think a little bit of the fact that there are no coaches and you're more free to do what you want in the box could be it. But I also have always in the back of my head had a green light with a three-zero count, just because it could be because I'm a catcher and I know a pitcher's mindset. I know what they're trying to do and what I'm trying to do as a catcher as well. And so I don't, I know that the pitcher obviously doesn't want to walk me in that situation. And so I just, I like being aggressive. I don't want to waste a pitch, especially 3-0. And so it could be also the confidence I've had a lot of success with it as well. So maybe if I didn't have success with it, I wouldn't have that much confidence, but um you I always have a green light unless the situation tells me otherwise.
0: See I I agree. Like I don't like giving up a strike just like automatically to a pitcher. I I feel like it's just a waste. I mean, unless there's unless well, they've been super wild, level,
1: especially at this level, you're not going to get a pitch like that often. And so I always tell, especially when I give lessons, if if the pitch is there and you're ready, there's no point in taking it. So, especially in our game and you fail a lot of times, it's like, don't, don't add on to that failure when you don't have to.
0: Totally. And even if you don't, like, let's say you do kind of miss it and it's not like, whatever, it's like a learning experience, like everything else. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's like this weird unwritten rule in softball where it's like, coaches don't like you to to swing away, but I think it's silly. And there's been like this debate, I feel like recently, actually, like on Twitter and everything else about it, but. Oh, with everything
1: going on in the MLB too. Yeah. Exactly, But like, and also a three, no, even if you don't get good contact, if you just foul it straight back and you take a really good swing on it, it just changes the whole mindset on the pitcher as well. The pitcher might be like, okay, I can't do that again. And then it'll, it'll just change everything. And so I think, like I said, if you're confident enough to do it, I would always green light, green light on a three. I
0: like it. And we've talked about this already a little bit, kind of all over the place, but overall you're one weekend in with athletes unlimited. What do you think? We know good vibes, but what else?
1: Craziness. Um, We had two scrimmages before the official draft and the way the two scrimmages went, what happened this weekend was not close at all. Like the scrimmages were always close games. um, Not a lot of offense. It was mainly defense and pitching that was taking control. And then you come to the official draft, we start playing and it's just an offensive game for all three games and it was just crazy. And I was talking to my team yesterday about it. It was like the cool thing about these drafts and and how this is all set up is we dominated this weekend, but because we dominated and we're pretty much all the orange team is in the top four, except for one player, our whole team is going to get split up. And so now you get, now you have different chances to have multiple teams dominate. And so I feel like this weekend is going to be even crazier and it's probably going to be way better softball defense and offensively just because all the girls are split up.
0: That's a really good point. Interesting that the scrimmages were so different. Do, yeah, is that like, was, because the, does the draft kind of like change your mindset? Is it like nerves? Cause hello,
1: everyone's finally getting to play softball after so long. Like what do you think It could is? be. I think the scrimmages, that was the, that was the first time, especially for me that I've seen live. I mean, I was playing in Italy, but this is a whole different atmosphere and the pitching's completely different. So just the first time we've seen live, first time we a lot of the girls have actually played a game. Um, nerves. You're also trying to become the first top four, so you kind of put more pressure on yourself. Um, and then I think after the draft, and then we had a couple practices with our team, you start to relax a little bit, and you just you just play. And I feel like the pitchers this weekend probably were struggling just because that's the first time um, that they had to face a strong lineup one through nine on every single team, because every girl on here is elite and talented. So I think for pitchers, if I was a pitcher, I'd be a little nervous. But I think now that everyone's getting kind of the hang of things and we're learning more about each other, it's going to be a lot. I think every week stopwatch is going to get better and better.
0: I agree. I mean, all signs point to that. But even on the flip side with you being the one catching these pitchers, like it's interesting because catchers are used to, you know, you work with more than one pitcher on your team, of course. But those are pitchers that you usually know really well. And now it's like you're learning these pitchers and like getting to know them for the first time. So pitch calls must
1: be a little harder or have like a learning curve. Yeah, um, especially for me, I didn't play in an SEC or a Pac-12. So I didn't get to see a lot of these players. That's why I think I also am enjoying this so much is because all these players I've seen on TV and I've always wanted to play with. And so now that I get the chance to actually catch them, one, I'm grateful. And then two, you're just learning and you have to, I think, force yourself even more to create that bond with the pitcher in those three practice days that you have um I think that's super important and and just knowing just the motion of the pitchers what they go what they like to go to it's also harder because like I said you're facing a line of one through nine so pitch calling in that like I I remember when I caught on Sunday and I was catching Alicia Ocasio after that game my my mind was I was done I was I couldn't even think what my name was I was my mind was so fried just because I was constantly thinking like I can't pitch this to this person because I know she's good, but then I'm like, but then this girl's also good so it's just a lot to think about but it that's this is I think what makes softball so amazing and I think every single one of these girls that are here we're all gonna grow and learn from this and just become even better softball players for sure and whatever you were doing with Alicia, I mean it worked she oh, we, just had awesome. we had a connection yeah that was that was so much fun because we were always on the same page. Um, we even would just give each other looks and we just knew that that was the pitch and so that was a that was a very fun game for me I love too
0: that you guys are kind of just like naturally naming your teams like the orange you guys were team cuties right like
1: the clementines yeah so funny and then I think the purple team was the cobras and we're just having fun with it so making making it even better
0: I know because it is it's interesting because of course it's like individual and you're going to be on a different team and all that stuff but there you can't like totally eliminate the team mentality i feel like with softball just how it is you work together with your pitchers all that stuff so
1: the crazy thing that a lot of people think about au is is that it's individualized a little bit because of the points but the way the points are set up even if your team is losing you still have a chance to get a lot of points by winning an inning and so it it allows you to really stay in the game stay focused all seven innings um Yes, there's individual points, but if you don't win as a team, if you don't win that inning, if you don't win the game, those individual points aren't going to do much for you in the, in the rankings. And so like a, you've, you've probably noticed this weekend um, the teams that weren't doing too well, there were players on those teams that were doing fantastic four for four, hitting home runs, but because their team as a whole wasn't doing well, they're, at the, they're towards the bottom of the rankings just because of how the point system set up. So it really, I think team is super important in how um, AU is viewing the game of softball. And it just really makes you, it makes you realize how important it is to have that connection and that vibe with your team, even when you don't know the players that much.
0: I actually love that, to your point, the points are kind of designed to reinforce things that we've all learned over the years as we've played. For example, like you want to win every inning, that's how you win a game, right? So give them points for winning an inning you know or yeah. even like a walk's as good as a base hit well you get 10 points just like you would if you got a base hit you know so it's like kind of reinforcing like those good fundamentals too which is and I remember
1: difference. in college yeah in college my coach was I was like he emphasized you have to win little innings like you can't look at the big picture and just try to win the game you have to win every inning but in college you're like no you have to win the game like you're not really there's no points to it so you're not really focused on it as much, even though it's kind of still in the back of your head. But like now it's like, OK, now we do have to focus. If you win every inning, you win the game. There's no way you can't win the game. Um, and so I think it just makes you really focus on those small things that maybe get away from the bigger picture when you're actually playing in college or playing at a top level.
0: How has it been kind of transitioning to thinking about points? I mean, I guess like for the most part, you try not to think too much about stats, try to just go play. But like it is different. I don't know. How is that transition for you
1: it's a little different but I think it's it's fun I don't know maybe because I was on the winning team we were just having a lot of fun with the points but I remember like we would have yeah we would have BP and just like you would you would have like a little bloop behind second base and the first thing would be like that's 10 points like we would just be joking around and so um, it just makes it fun and during the game I don't really catch myself thinking about it too much um, it's also a lot of different ways to get points. It's kind of overwhelming. So a lot of the girls don't really think about their points until the end of the game when it's all um, added together. But it does make it, it makes it fun. And it kind of makes you appreciate those little loop hits and those swinging bunts that you probably like get mad at yourself for. But like in this game, you're just like, it doesn't matter. That's 10 points and we're winning the game. So it really just makes you appreciate softball.
0: True. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you hit a line shot right at somebody. Okay, you're out. Right. That's what it looks like in the books. But if you get yeah, the thing that falls in there, like just happens to, I don't know, to find the gap. Then sure, yeah. it's it's like I feel like that's how softball is anyway. Really, it's like it all evens out. That's why it's a batting average.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Even though I guess not really focused on the batting average as much right now,
1: but yeah, which is uh, which is cool because like in college, I would always in the back of my head be thinking about. Um, batting averages and trying to stay on top of a certain number and like here batting average doesn't mean anything at all you don't get extra points for hitting 500 um and so you just kind of try to focus on just poking it through and helping your team out in the
0: draft format not is there any kind of ego but like is there like a little bit of competitiveness in terms of like when you're drafted or like how your peers are seeing you I mean I know again it's like really you try to shut that stuff out but have
1: you seen any of that kind of come out a little bit a little bit in the first draft me personally I was looking at who got drafted and when they got drafted and at first you think that's crazy that this girl got drafted so late in the draft when she's so talented but then you also think how the draft is set up and you also start to talk to some of the team captains and on their strategies and it's all strategy and so like the first two rounds is usually pitchers and catchers. So if you're an outfielder, usually the outfielders don't get picked until the very end of the draft. It's because outfielders, it's just a different strategy for a team, but that the more you think about it, that doesn't correlate to who they are as an athlete or how they play. It's just the strategy of the draft and how it's supposed to go. Um, And so now I feel like after how the first draft went, you don't really think about rankings in the draft. You just, you just, pray that you're on a good team and that you have a good team captain so that's all we're really thinking about that makes
0: sense I mean that's all you can think if you try to get too much like deep into it you'll just like drive yourself crazy Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah (laughs) and you can't really go wrong with anyone anyway like theoretically it's like you can have like an automatic like an auto draft like they do for fantasy sports and you probably still have a good team that's how talented Mm -hmm. everyone is so it's like yeah I see what you're saying yeah but in terms of like your off time how how have you been spending it like have you you're in rosemont like for the listeners everyone knows you're in chicago actually question about that have you had a chance to have any like good authentic italian food i've never been to chicago i don't want to insult like what authentic italian
1: food is but i hear that it's good there um yes well we're actually technically in a bubble so we're not allowed to go out um we're allowed to deliver food and get it delivered to our apartment so we did order giordanos Everybody on Instagram was telling me I had to try Giordano. So I tried the deep dish Chicago pizza because I've always wanted, to, everyone hyped that up. So I was like, I want to taste the deep dish pizza. And it was actually really good. I, Me being Italian, I don't really correlate those two things with how Italian food really is. But it, it, it was really good food. I was, I was actually surprised with how good deep dish is. So really good, but maybe not
0: authentic, but that's fine. (laughs) Not authentic, but really good. For what it is, it's really good. (laughs) Well, Because deep dish is an American thing, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. not, yeah. Okay. Of course, Yeah. in America, we always make everything like super size or like (laughs) whatever. (laughs) Of course, on brand. So what, well, I guess then what is your favorite authentic Italian food?
1: I love any pasta that we have in Italy and pizza carbs, literally carbs um sasha was actually asking me i said she's like what's your favorite italian dish and it's actually hard to choose just one i was like i can't choose one i have one for maybe every single category but like i can't choose one because it's just so good it's the ingredients um there's really nothing like it and i think once I, i don't think you can actually realize how good an italian cuisine is until you actually go to italy so um yeah any food that has a carb in it i'm all for it Oh, I'm with you there. So then I guess
0: my (laughs) follow-up would be, what's your favorite dessert, Italian dessert?
1: Like, let's stick to a category. (laughs) Um, Mascarpone is what we call it. It's like this, like, light, fluffy cream. Um, And they usually put it either in a bowl or on a plate with a chocolate cake, a piece of chocolate cake, or chocolate, like, shavings on top. And it's just, I have this Thing like this mental thing with it that I'm just like if I see that name on the menu I have to get it. So anytime I'm at a restaurant and I see that dessert like I don't care how full I am I have to order it. And it's just so good. It's my favorite thing. You had me at chocolate. So yeah, <laughs> anything with chocolate and then you just add cream to it and I'm just like All right, done deal. <laughs> I've always like been of the belief that we have a
0: separate like shelf in our stomach for desserts anyway. Like it's that's just, what I say.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely different stomach. It's not, it's a whole different compartment. Exactly. (laughs) Actually, speaking of food, you seem like a little bit of a foodie because you might have seen this like since your game. But yesterday, when I think it was Gwen who was (laughs) mic'd up, she was like, Oh, do you hear what Erica just said? Like, lunch, what was it? It was. I said,
1: because I was talking to Lily, Alicia, I was like, What did you have for breakfast? We started talking about breakfast because I always talk about food. And and she said that she's usually just been drinking coffee because she hasn't really been hungry in the morning. And I was like, oh, I can't skip breakfast. That's the one meal I can't skip. I was like, I can't skip breakfast. And then I was like, oh, but I also can't skip dinner too. And I'm like, oh, I can't skip lunch either. And then Gwen was right next to me and she was mic'd up and I was like, dang. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I love food. I love everything about it. Well, I feel like, yeah,
0: eating three meals a day, it's probably a good <laughs> good way <Yeah>. to live. <laughs> oh, that was so <laughs> funny. I love like kind of the all access too, like hearing you guys be mic'd up, like. Even seeing the instant replay, which I know you guys don't get to see, but it's just cool for us. And I think like sometimes too, even when I used to play in college, it's like, I wish that we could have that like reviewed up in the booth because like we yeah. could tell down
1: here that that wasn't the right call or whatever it is, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's week. cool that instant replay is finally in softball and that we get to experience it. You guys are first
0: in a lot of ways. A lot of firsts yeah. with this league. <laughs> a lot of history being made. Well, and speaking of that... I mentioned this in your intro, but like the Italian national
1: team, like you guys are going to Tokyo. We are. Yeah. It's Exciting. Kind of weird because at least the month of July was kind of weird because we all knew that we were supposed to be there. And so with this whole pandemic, it obviously got moved to next July, which I'm actually really grateful for because we do get another year to train. So there's only positive that can come out of this, but um, it is, it's exciting. Always nervous about it. When I talk about it, I still get goosebumps and like being here with athletes unlimited and sharing this with other national team girls that are experiencing the same thing, the Mexican team, the Canadian team, um, the USA teams, we always like find a way to bring up the Olympics and, and how we reacted to qualifying and what our teams are doing. So it's really fun to just be able to be in this environment and to share the same emotions, because I feel like for the past, Five to six months in quarantine and being away from softball, you kind of had to just experience that on your own a little bit, and so it's nice to be able to share that with other girls right now.
0: That's what's so cool about this league, too. It's like we talk about all like the top talent from the MPF from college, but it's like no, no, no there's almost 20 Olympians in this league. You get to play with people you'll play against for a medal. Like it just must be I don't know. It's like the coolest way ever for the softball world to just all come into one place. And
1: you think, like, when would this ever happen? Like, without AU, like, this would never really be an option to be able to say, like, oh, like, I was on a team with a Canadian Olympian, a Mexican Olympian, and a USA Olympian. We're all on the same team. Like, that never happens. And so it's super, super exciting to just be able to experience that.
0: And I feel like, you know, at least in the States, people are obviously really familiar with the U.S. team, the Canadian team. And you hear kind of about like in the past, you know, Australia, Japan and the Olympics. But I don't know if we know enough about European softball. I would love for you to kind of give us a lay of the land. Like who are the top teams, your rivals, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, European softball, sadly, is not well known. Um, It's growing a little bit. I feel like we're slowly growing every year. And now that softball is back in the Olympics, this is like our time to kind of bring European softball on the map. In Europe, I think the top three teams would be Italy, Netherlands, and Great Britain. It's always been an Italy and Netherlands rivalry. Like, that's our rival team. Um, At the qualifiers, everybody knew that it was either going to be Italy or Netherlands qualifying for the Olympics. And then Great Britain had a great week as well. And so we ended up all being tied. I think the Netherlands, towards the end of the qualifiers, they they were in third place. So it's definitely... People don't know, people don't think that European softball is at a high level compared to USA, Japan, and all the teams that probably get publicized more. But European softball, like there are some talented women out there. And I think at the qualifiers is the first time that the whole world was able to actually experience our softball and like how our national teams play and where where we've been. And it's kind of cool to see. It's almost like we were hidden for a little bit and now we're finally out in the open and it's just exciting to be able to get some recognition and to actually feel like we're a part of the top teams. Cause even at the world cup in 2018, we came in seventh and um, that was huge for Italy, huge for Europe in, in itself. And still no one really realized that Italy in the year Euro- in a European team was in the top 10. And so being able to qualify and actually be one of the names representing Europe, in the Olympics is, I think, going to be a huge deal for Europe softball, especially Italian softball, because softball in Italy is very low as a sport, and it's a very minor sport, Um, and so I think going to the Olympics is going to open a lot of doors for young athletes in Europe.
0: And that is what does it, is visibility. I mean, you you were super lucky that your mom represented Italy, right? Went to the Olympics. Like, Mm -hmm. how cool that you have that visibility so close to home, but what you guys are going to do for so many other Italian
1: girls is going to be so important. Yeah. I think even a is helping a lot with that, just being kind of the one European player here. And the fact that they're also making it visible to the European countries with the Olympic channel is so they get to see me out here playing against all these players and playing at such an elite level. And I think that will, open a lot of doors for them to know that they can also do the same thing, that there are places and teams and opportunities that they can reach if they want to keep playing softball and they don't only have to stay in Italy. And so I think having that visibility and showing that you don't have to just stay in your, in your small little country, that softball isn't big just because someone's telling you that you're not good enough to go outside. And so I think being able to be that person and use my platform, to, to let young women know that they can achieve their dreams and go out of their comfort zones and, and leave their homes if they really want to play a sport is, is huge. And I'm really excited to see what happens after AU and what happens after the Olympics as well.
0: I think it's only up from here, honestly, Yeah. which is the, the cool part. But if you had to describe Italian softball, like Team Italy softball, in three words, what would you pick?
1: I think the Italian softball team is sisterhood, a big family, Um, because I think our sport is so frowned upon, not frowned upon, but not really recognized. And we're also females playing a sport. So baseball has more recognition, but because we're females and we're playing a minor sport, it's like extra um, negativity on what we do. And so that has allowed our team to really just unite and work together and we all have that one goal and I think this summer the summer when we qualified I had so many different emotions because we went through everything and it was just our team there's so many outside noises telling us that we weren't going to make it that there's no point in us training because softball isn't a sport in Italy and we're females and we're not going to be seen because we're not soccer players um I think that really just made us unite as a team and every single one of the girls on the Italian national team we call each other sisters like we actually have a word for it and we just have been through so much together and so many people trying to knock us down and try to pull us apart and it just created such a strong bond and I've noticed that that's what makes our team so special and I feel like that's also why we've been able to accomplish what we have is because not a lot of teams have that chemistry because they haven't had to go through that adversity as a team and so super grateful for what our team has done and and how close we really are because without that sisterhood I don't think we would have been able to get to where we are today
0: that's just very well said but so what is the word for sisters Chorelle. Yeah. I'm not going to attempt to say it but <laughs> I, I love I love that it's so important. We actually used to say in college, like at Stanford, we used to call each other seasters. Like, oh, these are my seasters, which is like not as cool as, as the word that you guys have, but it's the same idea. Yeah. Okay, so sisterhood. If you had two other words to describe Italian softball, what would they be?
1: Grit would be one, um, and passion, just because grit, we don't we don't let up. It um, doesn't matter who we're playing. We're always trying to play our best softball and to always um, reach that next level passion because you can just tell on how we play that we love this sport so much. I was actually telling, I I did an interview while I was in college about European softball because I, would, uh, I had just put, started playing with the national team my freshman year of college. And the crazy thing about college is college, it, it becomes a job. You're there, you have a bunch of pressure, you're, you're representing a whole university. And so you start to get into that job mindset of like, you have a routine, you're just doing it, doing it, doing it. And you kind of forget what it is to actually love the game. And so for me, especially my freshman year, everyone has the freshman year where it's just, it's hard. You know, you're going through adversity, you're, you're a freshman, um, you're going through conditioning in the fall and you're just constantly being pushed to your limit and i think what saved me and what allowed me to be successful and reach where i went with softball in college was the fact that i was able to go back to italy in the summer and experience what it feels like to actually like why i play the sport because in italy they don't have they don't have the facilities they don't have the opportunities they only play 20 games a year because of the weather they don't have what we have in the states and so I think in the States, we take advantage, we take for granted what we have. And so being able to go back to Italy and actually see the girls put in work on their own, not not having someone tell them to, creating teas with um, brooms and toilet plungers just to be able to use a tea because they don't have teas. And you just really realize why you're playing the sport and what's so amazing about it. And so I would just go through a cycle, like in Italy I played because I loved it and it was a passion for me and then having those good vibes that I would get with team Italy and go back to college allowed me to be able to go through nine months of just hard work and dedication because I knew that what I was doing a lot of the girls in Italy weren't able to do so it it really just opened up my eyes to what I had the opportunities that I had and what I was blessed with and to be able to really enjoy the game, because I know that not a lot of players, especially in Europe, get this chance, and so just to take full advantage of it and really grow from it.
0: You couldn't be more right, in my opinion, about how important like those summers are during college, because it's a freaking grind. Like it's, it's not... a grind,
1: yeah. And, and people so... don't realize that because it's not, it's not it's not portrayed in the social media. You don't they don't show you the the ups and downs. They just show you the ups, like oh seasons. Seasons a blast, but they don't show you how fall is, and that's what I tell everybody. Whenever every time I go back to McNeese and I talk to the uh, class coming in, I'm like, "Fall is going to be hard. I'm going to be straight. I'm going to be honest with you. It's going to be hard. They're going to push you to your limit, but the fall is the reason why you can have success in college. And if it wasn't for college softball, I would not be the player or the woman that I am today because I really got pushed to my limit the way my mentality is with sports now is like I talk to players that I talk to people that haven't maybe gone through that college experience and you can just tell that different mindset and it's just it's it's completely different and I'm super grateful for that opportunity because college is I think is what shaped me into who I am today and and how I view things and if it wasn't for the fall season I wouldn't be where I am today if those four years of fall is is why I had so much success. It wasn't season, it wasn't going to post-season and playing in regionals, it was the fall, it was the grind, it was waking up every single morning and putting your body through what it went through to get to where you are and people don't really realize that Um, and so the summer is is when you you get to actually take it all in and, and appreciate it.
0: Summer was so important for me, like you said. Even just getting your head right, like getting back to like, why am I even doing this? Like, what is my why? Mm-hmm. And just getting back to yourself a little bit, you know, because you do get caught up into everything, and your body's just like exhausted. Like, you have all these different factors, and it's just, you know, you get the work in in the summer,
1: but it's just like a little bit different. Yeah, it's a different vibe, I guess. Yeah, for sure, it's a reality check. Like you have to, you have to know your purpose and you have to ask yourself why you're doing this because if you don't know if you don't know why you're doing this if you don't know if you actually love the game then that fall is going to be really hard and so if you don't if you don't get that that reality check with yourself and you don't really dig deep and and understand why you're doing it then you're not going to be able to get through it and actually grow from it
0: well I I would say very much so like really happy that you got to have those experiences in the summers with Italy because that's just like invaluable like you can't there's nothing that would be able to replace that
1: and I think that goes with all the national player girls um, because even in the world cups that we play you see teams from all over the world and you see how they play the game and you see what they have even just as gear I remember playing the African teams and they don't even have shoes they don't have shoes they don't have gloves And it's a whole different view, but they're playing because they actually love the game and you get that energy from them. And then it really just makes you like, okay, why am I not playing the way they are when one I love this game and I have the opportunity to to practice every day? I get I have the gear. I don't have to go with tennis shoes on the on the dirt. And so it really just makes you makes you rethink things a little bit and and just count your blessings at all times. I'm
0: actually temporarily at my parents' house right now, and I've been going through all of my old gear from college, like all the Nike stuff, everything, just to clear it out. And on a much smaller level than what you're talking about, even just seeing, like, I still have half a dozen brand-new pairs of Nikes from 10 years ago that I'd never wore, and I still have them. And then you see, like, the, um, the huge pile of just Nike shirts, shorts, everything that we used to get wow, there's so many people that would, this would be just, I, yeah. I don't, I don't even like have the words. I, I really took a moment where I was like, wow, there are kids that are, like you said, kind of making their teas out of whatever they have at home and just trying to make it work. And here I might've
1: complained one day, like, oh, I'm feeling this or that. And it's like, no, I had yeah.
0: everything I needed.
1: Exactly. And it really makes you think like, cause I know with our generation now, if people feel privileged, that they just deserve to get all this gear and I think those summers is what made me uh, like allowed me to just stay here with with that mindset because I knew that yeah I'm working hard for this gear but I don't deserve I don't have to get it it's not something that I'm privileged to like I'm not here and I deserve all this gear for not doing anything like I'm putting in the work and I deserve this I deserve what I'm getting yes that's true but there's also so many players outside of college that are putting in the same amount of work but they don't get that stuff because they don't they don't have they don't have the money for it or they don't have the opportunities to get that and so it really makes you realize like you don't you you don't deserve all those things you're not privileged to get all those things just because you go to college like you really have to put in the work and 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 earn what you're given
0: yeah earn not given exactly yeah exactly well, so, okay, where does your mom factor into all of this? Because obviously she's an important part of your life, but also like your life overall, but also your softball life.
1: Yeah, my mom, so I don't know if whoever doesn't know this, it's been, um, it's been all over social media because it's just such an amazing story, but my mom uh, went to the Olympics in 2000 with Team Italy, Sydney, um, Australia, and she was the catcher for Team Italy, number 20. And then I became a catcher, and I always looked up to my mom always wanted to follow her footsteps and then they took the Olympics out or they took softball out of the Olympics and so I kind of I still wanted to play softball like my mom did but I didn't have that Olympic dream just because it wasn't available and then the the moment that softball came back into the Olympics for me it was just like this is it like this is the the time that I can actually um, follow my mom's footsteps and be able to experience what she experienced because she has so many pictures and, and stories about what she went through. And and so being on the Italian national team for me is a true blessing just because I get to wear the jersey my mom wore. I'm number 20 as well. Um, I'm a catcher. And it's just little details that kind of are adding up. 20 is a super important number to our whole family just because my mom was 20, my dad was number 20. Uh, me and my sister were born on June 20th. So like 20 is just like a lucky number for the family. And so the fact that I qualified for the Olympics and I would be going to the Olympics 20 years after my mom gave me goosebumps. Like every time my mom would bring that up, I was like, that's crazy. Like 20, exactly 20 years, which now is 21 because of the pandemic, but still 20 in my head. Um, and like, even the year before that, we went to the world cup in Tokyo in 2018. And my mom was in Tokyo in 1998 with the Italian national team playing the world cup. So that was also 20 years. And so it's like, I'd always put pictures like side to side of like when my mom went and when I went and it's just crazy to see that everything is lining up the way I've always wanted it to. And, and to have my mom next to me and she was at the qualifiers bawling her eyes out. Um, And it's just an experience that not a lot of people get to have with their moms. And, it I think it's brought us so much closer and it's, it's just nice to be able to talk to her and really get the true emotions out of what she she went through the same thing so I know that if if I can tell her how I'm feeling about something or or that my training she knows exactly what I'm going through and so she's able to to help me out and really just help me keep my mind right on my training and, and to get to where I want to get to dude I have
0: goosebumps are you serious like all the 20s like that's insane. yeah no one knows
1: that but yeah 20 is a big number for for my whole family that's awesome
0: I mean yeah I think meant to be I kind of think like no matter what you were gonna end up on
1: this path Jeez, I was kind of thinking that at qualifiers like on the every time we would drive to the field I'm like 20 years after my mom like there's no way I can't make it like I have to go to the Olympics this year because it's like all lined up. I feel like I just had this like feeling in the pit of my stomach. I was like, it has to happen. It's going to happen. Um, and so it did. And it was goosebumps, a lot of emotions.
0: Now I'm going to be reaching for twenties, like all over the place after this, but even so it's like, you're making history with athletes unlimited, the only Italian player in 2020. There's so many, yeah. Now I'm going to look up
1: like so many. Course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm be like- I wish I was number 20. I was looking for that number. I was like, I need to be number 20, but it wasn't available. So uh, yeah, but there's so many other things that are happening right now is the number 20. It's great.
0: The number thing's weird anyways, for you guys, because like no one can have the same number because you always change teams. Yeah. So that's like a whole, that that doesn't throw anything off for our purposes. <laughs> that's so, so cool. And I didn't know this before, but you know, you think of Italy, you think of red, white, green, you know, like it's so, such like classic, just Italian everything but you guys wear blue for your national
1: team uniforms and all of that stuff. Why is that? Blue is the color of Europe, like the European flag itself um, is blue with yellow stars. And so I think way back when when they started with the national team, blue was just a representation of Italy and of Europe itself. And so um, we're actually called Azzurre, which means blue so anytime we're on the national team it's like we have that blue name to us and the flag is just a symbol on our uniform but the whole color always been blue even when my mom played and um I think it's just a, a bigger representation to not just Italy but of Europe itself
0: well that's pretty cool because you guys are obviously representing European softball at the Olympics and all that too so that's actually that's awesome I did not know that but I also obviously know that blue wearing blue is not new to you. You know, we've talked about college a lot, McNeese State. You're all
1: about the blue. So that's that's all in your color wheel. Yeah, fun fact, McNeese is blue and yellow and my hometown in Italy, their softball baseball team is blue and yellow, like the same colors. And and Louisiana's a boot and Italy's a boot. So there's just like so many little correlations to like my life right now and in Italy, and so my parents always bring it up, and they're like, "You were meant to go to McNeese because of these colors and like your hometown." I'm like, "That's crazy." Didn't think about that, but that's it. Just when you start to think about it, you're like, "Wow, it's all like lining up."
0: Your whole life is fate at this point. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we've established. <laughs> yeah, but you are actually. I th- I read that you're the only McNeese State athlete to be going to the Summer Olympics before. Is that true? Yes, that's awesome. Yeah, congrats! Excited. Thank you exciting like I said you're just all about like the firsts you're the first I know so other than the colors and the fate and all that
1: why why did you pick McNeese State I got recruited the summer going into my junior year of high school and we were in the Colorado Sparkler tournament and Mike Smith was the one that recruited us he recruited me our shortstop, Haley Drew, who's in my class, and then two other girls, actually, that were a year older than us, so he recruited four of us, and I think that was a big part of it, was just because, okay, I get to go with girls that I already know, that I already have a connection with, I feel safer going out of town with these girls, that was the first one, and then, obviously, going on my visit, the moment I stepped on campus, they always say you get this feeling, and it's true, you just get this, this sense of, of family, this sense of being home and I got that as soon as I was there and and the girls and the coaching staff and just their culture um to what the program meant and the community especially the community um was just such an amazing feeling and I just knew the moment I was there I was like this is gonna be where I will be for the next four years and I think that's super important to to, to get that feeling because it's four years of your whole life that you, you'll be spending there hours on that field and Blood, sweat and tears. And so you it has to be a good fit. And for me, it was automatic. And I know a lot of people look for that when they go on their visit. But McNeese, yeah, it was just little, little details that just sold me. And for I think the most important thing was just the community as well. They were very supportive of softball and it really made you feel at home.
0: You know what? Everyone I've had on the show, if I've asked that question about why they chose their college, same thing. And for me, same thing. You have that feeling and it is something you can't fully describe other than it's like this like warm, fuzzy, like it just feels mm-hmm. right kind of thing. But when you know, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But, you know, speaking of the community, I mean, I know and I've seen you posting about this as well, like the hurricane near Lake Charles and everything right now. Well, for you, actually, this year has been ridiculous for everybody, but between that hurricane, COVID hitting Italy really hard. It seems like it's honestly really close to home for
1: you. And so yeah, on anyone, you know, like, how's everybody doing? Everyone is everyone's fine. Everyone was able to evacuate. My friend actually lives in Louisiana, one of my teammates from McNeese. And she is going back on Wednesday to go see everything and obviously check on her place. And her place is fine. She just found out. But it's crazy how much damage there was. The pictures don't really do it justice. um you see all the pictures that everyone's posting, but I think for me, because I was actually there for four years, and I know exactly where that place is. I know that street, I know that house, and so I think it hits me a lot harder and the softball field is actually eighty percent destroyed. the baseball field's destroyed, and it's just like it's images that you don't really you never really expect to see, especially the softball field. I think that, that hit me really hard because I was like, I, that was my home for four years. And I know all the work that was put into the new facility. And I know all the work that, that we put into making that field the way it was. And just to see it all gone in less than six hours from a hurricane is actually, it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. And, um, but I also know the community, like I said, the community of Lake Charles and, how they are and how they unite with everything that happens any disaster they're always a strong family and so I know they'll get through it it's just devastating to see people that have been so close to you for 4 years and to have to go through this and then me being here and not really being able to help in a way that I want to um has been hard but I know that they'll push through and I know a lot of people there that so I've been just trying to do everything that I can um, I'll have to be going back in October after AU so I'm hoping that I'll be able to do more while I'm there, but it's, it's hard to see, Um, but it's, it's something you can't really control, and so their mindset on it has been very positive, and they're just trying to do what they can.
0: Well, first, I just want to say I'm sorry, because that, that's just rough for you, for your community, for, for everybody. The other thing is, I want to ask, like, for our listeners, like, how
1: can we help that you know of? You guys could always just message me directly on Instagram, um, and I have a link to donate and I did post I'm probably going to keep posting I post I post links on my stories all the time about organizations you can donate to to help but any donation honestly and just even just $3 just to help someone get a meal that day and here at AU we've been able to donate a lot with the girls here and um like I said my friends going on Wednesday and so she was able to get a lot of groceries to give out and a lot of money that we raised is actually going to a family that lost their house completely so just knowing that we're able to help in some way, it warms warms my heart a little bit to be able to see everybody come together. But yeah, anything anything helps, just even keeping them in your pairs is is gonna help a lot too. And just, I think also making it publicized a little more because I feel like not a lot of people are talking about what happened in Lake Charles just because it's such a small city. Um, but it, it's a disaster. It's a lot of damage. And it's something I feel like needs to be talked about a lot more
0: everyone listening then follow erica on instagram keep updated try to help however you can because there's so many things that have happened in 2020 that it's almost it's just like one thing after another this year but each thing is still really important and still really big so if we can help we will
1: thank you that's
0: yeah that's gonna help a lot i feel like for you too you're representing that community representing italy representing European softball, representing yourself just at AU, your family, and even representing like with McNeese State, you know, representing like a non-Power 5 school. Representation is so important in life, but in softball too, as the sport is growing. And I feel like you represent so many amazing and important groups. And so, I mean, thank you for joining the show because I just, you know, to hit on all of those communities that you're a part of, it's really important. We need to be elevating all different kinds of, of softball players and people.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you for having me on the show. I've, it's, it's been nice to be able to talk about these things and, and be able to, like you said, I represent all these little things that sometimes I don't even realize um, how big my platform really is and how blessed I am to have this platform and all the things that I can do with this platform to grow the game and to really make female athletes feel empowered. Um, it is a blessing, and I'm just really honored to be able to, to represent that and to be able to use my voice as best as I can.
0: Well, I'm honored to to help elevate your voice uh, with this show. And before I let you go, I am going to wrap with a short game called "Safer Out" mm-hmm. that I do with everybody. It's fun. Basically, I'll bring something up, a topic, and I'll ask you if it's safer out. And if you like it or you agree with it, you'll say it's safe. But if you don't like it and you're like, "No thanks," then you'll call it out does that make sense yes okay so first quick one throwing the mask off
1: for pop-up foul balls as a catcher safe or out that depends is there like a middle answer because um it just depends I I a lot of times I'm out like I say out with it I don't take my mask off just because in the moment you're just looking for the ball I think if you know that it's really high and you have a lot of time, you can always take the mask off. But I'm super comfortable in my mask. And I I don't really need to take it off to be able to see things. And there's a lot of pictures of me diving for balls with my mask still on. And sometimes I don't even realize it. So I'm just gonna go without because I feel like I just don't take it off. Uh, but I'm also not against not taking it off, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it does make sense. Uh, my One of my old coaches at Stanford, she was a catcher, too, and she's the head coach at Stanford now, Coach Alistair, but she was, like, so out. Like, no, keep it on. It's a waste of time, you know, but I always like to hear, like, other catchers' perspectives on it. So,
1: okay. See, coaches have always told me to take it off. Yeah, most I think do. It's like when you're in a game, you're just, like, you're reacting. It's like, why would I want to think about other things? So, like, if you feel comfortable in your mask, just keep it on. It, it, it saves your face, so... It's it's only going to save you and and keep you protected. Yeah. Yeah, true.
0: Okay. So out for the first one. So when you have your glove on, keeping your index finger outside of the glove. Some people do this. Some people don't. But safe or out?
1: Safe. Mine's always out. My, My finger's always out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mine usually was. I don't even remember what I ended up doing towards the end of college. But I think like for the most part, yeah, I did that too. Yeah you just feel like more control because you're a catcher I always wonder like the catcher like the gloves different
1: right so it's it actually feels like I have more control with my finger out which I don't understand because it's just a finger and the glove is so big um but like anytime I like try to put it in because I wonder like I've seen people not have their finger out and it's just I feel like I can't squeeze my glove the way I normally can and so I just I've always kept it out I don't think I've ever had my finger in the glove fair
0: Last one is sweatbands, like armbands, literally
1: wearing the sweatbands on your arms. Safe or out. Safe. Uh I have I wear one with the Italian national team, but I don't wear it for what it's for. I don't wear it to keep my sweat off my arm. It's just like a cool like swaggy thing that just works with the outfit. Um, so I don't know if that still works, but i I wear sweatbands. Um, it's just not to keep my sweat. <laughs> Well, that was gonna be my follow
0: up. I'm like, okay, but do you use it for you know, <laughs> Ow, or is it just, the look?
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, you gotta have the vibe, man. Yeah, you gotta that swag when you play. It, it boosts your confidence for sure.
0: <laughs> Thank you again. This was so fun. I hope you had fun because I, I had yeah, a blast. I did. This was fun. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, and good luck with the rest of athletes unlimited. I mean, gonna be watching, of course. Really excited to see how the rest of the season goes. Yeah, I'm super excited
1: to see how week two goes.
0: It was so good to talk to Erica, Pianca, Steli. I don't know if I should start calling her Erica or Steli or like if we're on that level yet, but (laughs) I really enjoyed our conversation. Just good vibes all around. It's all you can ask for. So transitioning into the double play tip of the week. This week's tip is about the on deck circle and how to utilize the time that you spend being on deck effectively. So physically, it's about getting reps, and there are different things you can do. You can work on your load, stride, and your weight transfer to get your timing. You can kind of punch your hands to the different points of contact. You know, there are really nine main locations, kind of a three by three for height and width in the zone. You have inside, middle, outside, and you have low, middle, high for each of them. So you can practice throwing the hands or You can also just take full cuts and get in a groove because that's ultimately what you're going to do at the plate and the reps are part of the overall preparation that goes on and it's really what generally works for you or what you're working on at that particular time so if you're flying open a little bit you might want to focus on that weight transfer if you're trying to work on plate coverage throw your hands to that outside point of contact if you're working on bat speed maybe take those full cuts tailor it to you so mentally It's about that preparation. You know, you get the reps in, but you wanna be smart and selective about what reps you get in. That's the difference between just practice and true preparation. And you really wanna get a mental at bat in before your actual at bat. You can literally treat your teammates at bat in front of you as your own, watch every pitch, get a sense of what the pitcher's throwing, formulate a plan for what you wanna look for to attack, maybe like lay off the rise ball out of the zone, for example, and attack the curve ball in the outer half there's not always a lot of time to do all of this, especially let's say if the hitter in front of you hits the first pitch, but that's why you're also paying attention one pitch at a time when you're in the dugout and you can even go to the end of the dugout and work on your timing, your load, your stride, your transfer. If you want, there's always something that you can do, but I think mentally you also have to be heads up about supporting the team. When you're on deck, if you have a teammate coming around to score off of a hit, Clear the bat out of the way of home plate so she doesn't get hurt if the catcher hasn't already. Also communicate with her as she's coming into home, visually, not just verbally. So you throw your two arms up in the air or point them down to tell her to slide or stay standing. And if she is sliding, you know, wave those arms to the inside or outside part of the base path so she knows where to go. She's already past the third base coach at that point. She can't see where the ball is behind her. So that's where you come in as a teammate. And sometimes you'll also see hitters pass on info to the batter after them. They might talk about the pitcher's spin or movement, the velocity, or even how the defense is setting up, etc. They pass this along to whoever was on deck. Keep that chain going. Pass on any insight that you have too. That's being a teammate, not a me-mate, as my teammates Alyssa Haber and Maddie Kuhn used to say. So that's the physical and mental side of being on deck. Get reps to prepare and support the team. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available anywhere you get your pods, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Believe.com. Subscribe, rate the show, and write a review. Share the episodes with your networks. Hit me up on Twitter at Jenna one and Instagram at Jenna Becerra, as usual. And as always, thank you for tuning in and catch you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.